0: Welcome to the podcast, Not So Serious, presented by Marketing Mac. This is the podcast about communications, but not so serious. Each episode, we're going to talk to a brand or a business about how they used their marketing to make waves, not ripples. Today we have our first guests. You might know them from the Funny Business Podcast, or perhaps you know them from the Unlikely Investors Podcast, or perhaps you recognise them from their newly launched media company, The Wellbeing Network, or maybe you've just seen them in your LinkedIn feed. We have Robbie Hicks and Lockie Bradford joining us today. Thanks, guys.
1: Hey, thanks so much for having us. I'm excited to be here. Yes, yeah, I just can't believe we got here. Oh, no. feels nice.
0: Do you want to tell us a little bit about you guys, how you guys came together?
2: So Lockie and I had been friends for a long time. So we'd done a few different businesses before and trialed some stuff out. But if I rewind back to where we first became friends. Locke and I actually moved out of home for the first time together, so we were like, we're not too young, I don't know, 24, 25, and just thinking, yeah, we're going to be bachelors out living the dream
1: and this would be so sick. And... I was doing push-ups and everything, you know. I was looking <laughs> after my health. I was eating yogurt and granola. I was feeling good about myself. Yeah,
2: you're in good nick. You're in good nick, and good things must come to an end. You've deteriorated, but that's okay. <laughs> We were so excited about moving out, living together and all this sort of stuff. and within about, I don't know, six weeks, Locke had got a girlfriend and I'd got a girlfriend, and Locke's partner, who is still his partner. To date, Tarls who was um, my partner who's now my wife, M, ended up being my partner when we first started going out there. So funny enough, like some real bad sitcom, the four of us lived together, we moved to another house. So we've lived in each other's back pockets. We feel like family. I feel like it's a night, like, Locke's more like a brother to me than. Yeah. And then one that, you know, like a brother you can you you don't really give that much shit about and you can say whatever you want about. I feel like that's the relationship that we've been able to build. And we started a few different things. We had like a a slides company where we sold like beach sandals back in 2017. Um, We'd started a couple like a social media business. We'd done some like content as a service business. Like we hadn't explored a few different things in the past and how we came to funny business. I don't really know what the conversation was where we're like, there's a trigger moment, like let's just do it. But if you go back to... Yeah. <laughs> April of 2020, it was the pandemic had just started and I was living down here in Torquay and Locke was still back in Essendon and it was sort of maybe a way to keep connected and we didn't really know what it would evolve out to and what sort of opportunities that it's opened the door for us over the last couple of years. But it honestly, it's been a life-changing experience over the last couple of years from starting Funny Business, but Funny Business definitely wasn't the start of, I guess, us
1: doing things together. We didn't have any friends, so we're just looking to connect with some people and just stop feeling so lonely. But it was, it was, it was pretty cool because we had some cool friends doing some awesome stuff. So we're like, if we can chat to them and just see how we go and see what it evolves out into, that'd be cool. And then, sort of early episodes, a couple of them caught fire and people were just, loving it and like, like Rob said we've tried many different things so to have something like that like catch fire a little bit we're like oh how cool is this so um, it just sort of evolved from there and we're like we better start taking it a bit more seriously adding a few more you know segments and episodes and just testing things out and that's been the cool part so far I suppose.
0: Yeah I mean I, I really love what you guys have done you started off with only a few episodes here and there and now it's really grown you guys are releasing so many episodes a week which is unbelievable oh,
2: I think it's been, it's been a real learning curve so if you go back to early doors we were we were doing one guest episode we kicked off with just oh we might just drop one but then we ended up doing two a week and then we because people were saying oh we like it so we publicly announced that we were going to do 50 episodes before Christmas or some something like that I don't know who we were announcing it to but we were announcing it to the world and <laughs> to the world <laughs> yeah like it it felt like that was just like a snowball effect so we what we realized was we started dropping a couple of episodes of just myself and and lock talking and just really just shooting the shit, talk and just rabble and, and ramble. And what we realized is that people liked it. So for us, that was our, um, I guess, their data and insights to go and launch our other segments. So yeah. we do five pods a week now on the Funny Business Podcast, two guest episodes and three snacks podcasts, one being Hot or Not, one being Tech Tuesday and one being a Hump Day Headlines. And if you think about it, like that's a lot of content that we sit down, like a recording schedule. And it's not really even the essence of what our business and stuff does. It's been a vehicle that's opened a lot of doors, but... It's a huge, we put so much emphasis on creating organic content because we don't, we've done things very differently. I know we've chatted about this off air, but we don't, we haven't really spent any money on like paid advertisement. This is, we do organic content marketing. We, we That's how we've built our brand and that's how we've built our presence. And from our perspective, we don't have the luxury of a big budget behind us or a big funding of our company going out there and helping us get out there. So our approach is just, we've had to roll the sleeves up and get creative with the amount of content we put out there but also the type and, and how we deliver it because it's hard to cut through the noise when the end of the day everyone's competing for the same type of attention and for us we're trying to do something a little bit different even like the naming convention of funny business like you're you've got a really like interesting take on like brand names
1: oh yeah like i was always of the because as a kid i always loved like making up new band names and what seems cool and what's a cool <laughs> brand and that that's just how my sort of head works so initially when we were starting to name the podcast i can remember i was like i want this to be like rainbow milkshake or something crazy like that And i was like things like that just don't make sense and it's like i don't know for me it's just like make it sound like something that already exists it's already sort of sounds, sounds like a big thing like funny business you just assume that something out there called that you know so that's yeah. why like for me especially because i like getting funky and getting real creative but with the the branding and stuff like that i think a lesson i've learned is to keep things simple and keep it like you know don't think too much too hard about it you know sometimes simple is best
0: your marketing is really grassroots, and I, I see this as a big thing. Like, the next thing is that a lot of the traditional kind of marketing has really changed. Like, people aren't buying static magazine spots anymore they're not buying big billboards or anything like that and you guys have managed to i guess from where i'm sitting is really capitalize on your network so do you guys want to talk to me about if you've ever really put together a structured marketing strategy or what what your marketing strategy is and where it came from and where it is now
2: i reckon that this is something that it may have not been like a like it's definitely not something that we have documented <laughs> like we have business in the way that we've scaled like we've got a few staff that work for us now and it's been cool fast forward to 2022 but going back when we kicked off everything that we did we did go in with a LinkedIn first approach we saw the platform as very different to any other social platform we were at the time it's not like we had we always say it's not like we've got dad bods it was not like we were <laughs> ripped so yourself. we couldn't go and take our shirts off and <laughs> post photos on Instagram we're not really dancers we weren't going to go on TikTok we've missed the boat on, on the f- dad
0: bod's back we're loving the hey, dad, dad bod, bod's eh? back
2: but get me on the cover get me on the cover you know <laughs> So for us we saw a real opportunity in the fact that LinkedIn there's something different about that platform and we've been we haven't really changed our tune on how we how we believe it, the power of this platform is because people they hold dear their, their their profile like it's a CV. And what we've seen over the last couple of years, and we've even now, by doing so much content, understanding more about like meeting some people who work at LinkedIn and talking to people who do like the news feed, talking about people who do, I guess, do their branding and their partnerships and stuff. And we understand that they're trying to create the platform to be more of a content creator's platform. But if you go back a few years ago, when we started doing stuff, it wasn't designed like that it was a platform where people might not check their messages all the time. They might not do updates. They might have static um, pages where they use their profiles more like a CV that they only update when they change jobs. And what we've seen is that we're actually quite early on LinkedIn as a platform. And it's still ripe for people to get out there. And I heard this one interesting stat, which I keeps quoting, but I don't, I don't know if it's right or wrong, but I'm just going to keep running with it because it sounds good, was that of the views, the organic views that come from content on on LinkedIn come from only 1% of creators. And that sort of just blew my mind knowing that there's a lot of people watching and looking at this sort of stuff who are, if they're on that platform, they take their careers seriously. They're usually in positions of influence or if they're younger and coming up, then they're the type of people that have that growth mindset and are going to try and they're there because they want to make something of themselves and their careers and we saw that very different to us trying to tackle Instagram as a platform which from a marketing strategy you know like we're not we're not going to do that because we don't want to I don't know if that's a thing but now we do so it's not that staunch (laughs) anymore
1: but I think the big part of everything is the community that you build so as while we're doing all that sort of stuff yeah that's all well and good but who cares unless you're talking to the people in the community so because I have a a tech recruitment background, so I'm always on LinkedIn. So having that just installed in me, like just connect with people, it's not a weird, it's not like Facebook, you know, you're not connecting with random, you know, it's just different. Just treat it differently. And then just everyone who I connect with, I I message, you know, like I'll look at their profile and message them and I connect with them, you know, like I don't think you can fast track that community growth and that hard work. I just think from where we're at too, like where we're at in our position, like we didn't have a platform, we didn't have an audience. So we had to do stuff from scratch. So for us, it was, it felt, harder you know what I mean but if you've sort of already got a profile and you're moving into that you probably don't have to do as much of that but I still think it's really important you know it's the most important thing for us. On
2: that is like it's one of those things that when you talk about like where you start from and understanding your reality of like do you already have an audience are you do you already have a profile are you starting something with someone who already has influence like when Locke and I say we didn't have nothing we were just it took us for context it took us six weeks to get to our first thousand downloads of our podcast we're now doing close to 30,000 downloads a month nearly 280,000 thousand all time like for us over the last two years it's been crazy the trajectory of, of what our pod's been but we showed up a lot for nothing for free over and over and over again for week on week on week knowing that that was the thing because we didn't have a community we didn't have any like leg up on anyone else we were just there trying to show value to our community and show that we're there and we're trying to help them it was a it was a weird it's a weird sort of thing and for us like we're at this point now where we feel like we've done a lot of w- a really solid work over a period of time and we're in that interesting, tricky time where you're trying to ethically monetize the stuff that you're doing versus making that decision of what's free anymore.
0: It is hard to, I guess, see where, where you can monetize things and where you're like, oh, no, this should actually be a free access for people or anything like that. And I see um, podcasters struggle with that when it comes to Patreons and, and things like that. You know, what, what content should we be paywalling and should we be charging? And-
1: Rob's got a good take on Patreon. I hate Patreon.
0: <laughs> That's a good take. That's a hard take.
2: <laughs> I just think there's a lot of things out there that, like, especially for content creators in this space and with podcasts specifically, you're right. No one knows how to monetize them. And we feel like we're, because we've been like immersed in this sort of space, we can see the potential that podcasts have to offer. Mm. But when they're done correctly, and when they're done, when they're done in a poor way, where people try and like paywall content and try and create this other stuff, I think they actually limit their opportunities because as soon as you introduce a paywall. You're stopping flow of people coming in there, and I I reckon that stinging someone for eight bucks a month for to listen to some unreleased pod that's not really eight bucks worth of value is not really helping anyone in that community aspect. I think it's more like finding other ways where instead of monetizing the end user, finding brand opportunities and partnerships where you're not clipping the ticket on the person that's helping you get to that stuff. Yeah. You're making other people pay for to have a seat at the party. And I think that where, where Patreon's almost right is it, when people do it well and they provide enough value and there's scale. But for people who don't have like, I don't know, 50,000 paying subscribers hey, I'm doing something for a thousand people and I'm getting four bucks a month, great, that's the thing. But if you're trying to scale out a team and you have aspirations to... For an individual person, four grand a month sounds fantastic. But if you're thinking of that from like, hey, I wanted this to be my big business idea and I wanted to hire 20 staff and whatever, four grand not going to get you anywhere. Yeah. So I think that Patreon actually closes the door. It actually stalls growth for people to go above their own things. And I think it's a conversation around the create economy where people push this stuff. It's like, that's what you have to do. And I just, I don't think they're right. I don't believe
0: it. If you're paywalling something, you're choosing that that's the best content. So therefore you're paywalling it, but then you're stopping the spread of communication and, and information which is what I think as writers and creators you you want to be doing you want to be encouraging that spread rather than paywalling it
1: for sure and I think too that you can get creative with the paywall thing too you can access content early and that's cool for loyal people who love the pod and all that sort of stuff so there are other ways you can do it but yeah I just think you're, you're right Rob I think like if you've got a massive profile and you have got heaps of that it works a treat but like it does limit and, and stunt different areas where you really want to be creative and and that's the cool part about it you know? You,
0: know? you started funny business two years ago and then only a few weeks ago you uh, announced um the well-being network so that's your media company now so do you guys want to chat a bit about that and um what your plans are for that
2: when we had funny business, what we realised, our co-founder Tammy Martin, who's, who is one of the founders of um, WellBear Network, we actually used to work together. So back before we kicked off what we're doing now, I worked in the tech space. I was a lean agile coach working with software development teams, helping them ship things to market pretty much. And that's where I met Tam. And we'd worked together ac- across a couple of different organisations and realised that we worked really, really well together. And we always had aspirations of where can we take these skill sets and go and p- apply them? whether it's to our own thing or whatever it may be and at the same time that was when Locke and I had kicked off funny business and um, we were all working in the city catching up for lunches and like scheming about different things we wanted to do and off the back of, I guess, the community that had grown with with funny business, we decided to, all right, we'll stuff it. Let's have a crack. Let's go and start something up. So on the 1st of Jan, 2021, the three of us went into business. We funded ourselves, we bootstrap business, we funded ourselves through our consulting services. So Tam and I worked out on site delivering like ways of working, organizational change and um, organizational culture programs two companies at the same time we were building our media stuff in the background knowing that this network that we're creating what we really believe is that the digital economy or the world that we're now entering is you can have any career pathway that you want the freedom and access to all that information and to make things real is is accessible and for us we want to create content that helps people find their purpose finds their meaning helps them live a better life and for us like using a name like well-being and well-being network like i think there's a lot of stuff out there around like mental health where people live in this like i'm i'm sad i'm whatever for us it's like we want you go and find happiness through like purpose and meaning so obviously funny business has grown out to some other pods that we have under our under our network all of them fit under the banner of either helping people be better do good or have fun so we've got peter Bowl, who was australian olympian we did his podcast during the olympics right when he was exploding as uh on the on the national stage, most watched Things. So we have his podcast in my spikes. We do another pod with um, Michelle Grace Hunter, who's a music photographer, and Tammy Martin, our, our co founder, called You're Killing It, which is like a podcast about like creatives. We're currently doing one with uh, Cooper Chapman called Good Humans, which is he's an impressive person, the pro surfer runs a thing called the Good Human Factory, go and teach mental health workshops across schools,
1: and his pod's exploding at the moment. Being able to have this network and create shows and design these different things for people like that and work together and help support in ways how they want it. My sort of role is the brand and the shows and all that sort of stuff, and and doing that. So for me, it's like my dream job, you know. And to have these people in our network creating this sort of stuff, it feels like magic.
0: At Marketing Mag, we speak to a lot of traditional marketers and like really trying to shift that narrative into like this is the new way that people are really like like speaking to you guys and talking about how you've done really non-linear, non-traditional marketing paths to grow. This is really interesting. Because we're used to the the traditional marketing funnel, which at the moment has been for 10 years, Instagram and Facebook at the top, and then you kind of go through that, but you guys even put aside those ones and focused on this completely different social media network that I think LinkedIn is often forgotten about in marketing strategies.
1: For us, it was like... We never really went to school and learnt any of this stuff. So it's just like learning on the fly and like YouTube and just talking to other people who've done it before or done different things. So it's cool to see like when we have ideas and then we do it and it's like, oh, that's already a thing kind of thing. Like people think about things like that, you know, because, I don't know, it's just a good um, sort of reassurance, I suppose.
0: One of the criticisms that I hear quite a lot about LinkedIn is that people think it's flaky or it's wanky. So to be yourself on it, it was really authentic to see and I'm seeing it more and more. But to begin with, it was everyone just kind of going on there and telling, like, oh, I hired this person who was incredible and I've seen them come from nothing. And you, you're just kind of like, this isn't a... Hol- like, who's going to play you in the Hollywood remake of this? Like, be yourself, be authentic, and people are really drawn to that.
1: A hundred percent. And then you see people go the other way, you know, and it's just like, oh, just calm your farm. Just, just, you know... <laughs> it, my, my best advice, I would say, is, like, treat it a bit like Facebook, you know? Like, if if, if ever I'm stuck with something, it's like... like the humble brags and that like it's hard because when you have good things you want to talk about in a way where where you know you're proud of it so you don't want it to sound too wanky but you want people to know what you're doing so i don't know it's just finding your tone of voice for us because we do so much content and write so much shit all the time, we just feel like we have to be honest because I'd forget. like I, It's too hard for me to fake stuff, you know? So it's just like, oh, I'm just going to write how I talk and if it comes out like that, cool. And if it doesn't, like, it's not going to hit everyone, you know? Yeah,
2: oh, you like LinkedIn so much that you you released your own how-to guide, Locks Guide to LinkedIn. Yeah, well,
1: that, <laughs> oh, God, don't throw me under the bus, mate. <laughs> no,
2: so fun fact. So back in 2020, we did a bit of a project because this is something that we were smashing. We've been talking about it since day one. We did a bit of a... Like a freebie ebook, ebook type thing, where we just wanted to go, and we could see the the power of what LinkedIn was doing for us, and we wanted to give it out to all the other stuff. And we just branded up, and it was all mainly it was all Locks tips. But it's true, like he, he's he's helped in terms of like being yourself and being authentic. I think a lot of the barriers are like insecurities about how should I act, or how people gonna how people are gonna like think about what I'm gonna say. Are they gonna talk about me? Are they am I doing things right? Am I work gonna be happy? And it's a really tricky balance because. If you think of LinkedIn, most people, if they're not running their own thing, they work for another organization. That organization has their own values, their own culture. They might have their own rules and regulations about content sharing or privacy information. So on that platform specifically, I think there's a lot of barriers to people feeling comfortable to be themselves and share opinions without risking like, losing a job or stuffing up a promotion or putting their foot in their mouth. So I think that one of the things that we've done, which... I guess a lot of people can maybe take some learning from is around curating your own your own journey. I think that you can, in the way that you want to share, is that I'm not a massive sharer. I I don't like Instagram. I, you wouldn't go and see me sharing too much about my personal stuff. That's not who I am. Like, I don't
1: I do not do that. Hang on, hang on. You posted a photo you and the baby. Uh, you were milking the baby for lots. but that's about me coming to <laughs> the office. And that's me trying to help share a little bit more open about stuff. But
2: I feel like if you look at, I guess, how... That is, I'm going out of my way to to do it, but I also don't share everything. Mm. And I think that that's where people get stuck is like, oh, I need to start sharing. So here today I did this for breakfast and did that later on. And then now I had a fantastic meeting and now we're remote working and now I've gone to a conference. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's like, fuck, there's plenty going on there. (laughs) Yeah. you know. What's your intention? Why are you creating stuff? What are you trying to get out of it? Is to grow your brand, get a new job, build some friends? Like have a think about what you want out of doing the content.
0: Instead of just doing it for no yeah Correct. so there's got to be tactic behind it as well
1: yeah like even if like yeah. make it funny make people laugh you know if, yeah. like honestly that's a that's a grouse tip because you look at LinkedIn and it's all this serious shit all the time I reckon if you can make people laugh people hit with that you know like it's just it's funny
0: yeah, because I've I've been really lucky throughout my career to work agency side with a lot of creatives, and the creatives are awesome on LinkedIn. All the copywriters and stuff—they're having the best time ever. Yeah, and I was like, oh, lean into it. This is good. <laughs> like- yeah.
2: Well, the algorithm is funny on LinkedIn too. Uh, I think it's one of the only platforms that you can get the organic reach that you without paying for. So, mm. like, we've had posts where. You think about it, like we've got X amount of people that follow us. If I say on Instagram, you've got 1,000 people that follow you, you do a post, you you do a good post, you might get to three to 500 people, maybe 30% of the people that Mm. you hit who follow you. Whereas on LinkedIn, if I had a 1,000 connections and I did a post, there's nothing stopping that hitting hitting an algorithm and getting like 45,000 organic views. It's like TikTok. Yeah,
0: TikTok's amazing. It's
2: mind-boggling and you can see where they work. Where they live, all that sort of stuff. So we're not sponsored by LinkedIn, but f- bloody well should be, you know.
0: TikTok's an amazing platform as well. That algorithm is going nuts. So because we were looking at um, who we're going to chat to on this podcast, and there's that business of Vera, it's an Australian-made business, and they got a million followers just organically, no paid at all, just by understanding what the algorithm is, and maybe these platforms that have been ignored by Aussies for too long, we need to kind of refocus that as a part of the marketing funnel now.
1: Oh, for sure, and I feel like wherever you're. Scared, to go that's where people are winning you know like oh, like for TikTok for me I was like oh like that looks I don't, I can't dance I don't, I'm not that creative I can't come up with that you know but you're seeing all these people who are and they're killing it you know so
0: yeah.
1: it's it's the same as LinkedIn it's like the same thing you might have fear around because po- it is your career it is very serious stuff so the, the fear yeah. of that but you can really win there so it is, it is hard. From a marketing strategy one of the things
2: that we definitely did was not trying to take on too many platforms all at once and I think that we've made that mistake before. It's like, oh, I've got to have everything all the way down to like Spotify playlists for people to read and listen to for our community. It's like for us, we talked about Locks in it earlier, like keep it simple. We really knuckled down, nailed down on LinkedIn. We've introduced Instagram as something, but it's more of like a, just a collection as a community touch point. We're not like Yeah. We, LinkedIn is definitely our number one. But we'd love to do things like YouTube and get into video and do TikTok. But we have to figure out how can we keep the same amount of content coming out each week. And do all these other platforms. And we couldn't right now with the amount of capacity and bandwidth that we had. So we had to make a call that we'll do them in the future, excited to do them later on. But if we were doing them all now, I think we'd do a really bad job of doing what we're currently putting out to the world. Yeah,
0: do it and do it well on a small, on a fewer platforms. Yeah, correct. I wanted to figure out who you guys are looking at as who is going to be the next big influencer and the next big business that we should be keeping our eyes on locally.
1: All right. I've got two for you. I reckon Matthew Adek Ponya, who looks after the content at Team Mills, so Paddy Mills, uh, the basketballer. Uh, he does a lot of, he does the boomers as well, and he, he makes documentaries. He's a super creative. Everything he does is considered and well thought out. If, if you're after like chasing someone in the content game, he's someone who, he's the biggest rock star in my eyes. Like the way he thinks about content, what he's doing, how he puts stuff together really cool dude and another one to look out for is alira potter she just says it how it is you know and like we're big 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 fans and uh love love the way she operates and she's funny she's
0: awesome
1: yeah i like those two are good (laughs) i'm I'm gonna go back and
2: i'm I'm gonna go with coop i know i've already mentioned him in today and we, we look after his pod but cooper chapman his pod good humans but also his work he's doing at the good human factory i feel like there's he's making a real difference and the impact that he'll have being the person he is the presence that he is but actually using his profile and his access to the types of the people that he does to look good in the world versus he could have had a very different, he could cho- very easily
1: choose to go down a different pathway, if that makes sense. Yeah.
0: Um, and I was going to say, where can people find you? No Instagram handles or anything? You oh, yeah, <laughs> no, just, just
1: if, you, if you Google funny business, here's the thing about simple names and stuff. If you Google funny business, we're everywhere. So we don't even have to pay for that rank traffic and that. So that's, <laughs> that's a crazy thing. I looked at it the other, the other week and I was like, that's crazy. We're on the first page of a bunch of stuff and we don't even pay for it. How good's that? All right.
0: Thanks so much, guys.